Our Bible opened to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We come to the close of this chapter, this book. We've been studying 1 Corinthians for some time. And you remember that Paul went to Corinth and was there about 18 months. Then he left, ministered in other places. He was in Ephesus, and he wrote back to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Corinth from Ephesus. He had heard by a group called the House of Chloe that there were problems in the city of Corinth, in the church of Corinth. Also, the church had written him a letter that outlined some of the problems. If there was ever a church that had problems, the church at Corinth had them. They were divided over leadership. They were taking each other to court. There was immorality in the church. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. And some even doubted the resurrection of Christ. The heart of the gospel is the resurrection. And Paul said, if Christ be not raised, then our preaching is vain, your faith is vain, we're still in our sins, and we're found liars. Then he said, but Christ is risen. And in chapter 15, we have the attestation of several who saw the Lord in the resurrected body. Over 500 at one time many others. And then Paul said, and last of all, he appeared to me as a one born out of due season, out of due time. On the basis of that, Paul gave his life to Christ, and the rest of his life, for 35 years, maybe longer, he declared the gospel of Christ. You know the story of his arrest. He was in Roman prison for a while, wrote some of the letters. He was dismissed from there probably went back to Asia Minor, maybe Ephesus. Then he was rearrested under the emperor Nero. Nero was mad at the people of Rome, and he had Rome built, or rather burned, and he blamed it on the Christians. Then he had trumped up charges against the Christians, and some believe that Paul was in prison at this time and that contributed to his being beheaded on the Appian Way outside of Rome. Well, as he closes the church, the letter to the church at Corinth, he says some outstanding things. I want to read them to you. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be, that I will abide ye, ye and, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries." Now, we'll not read the rest of this chapter. We might come another Wednesday night to it. There's another outstanding verse in verse 13. Watch ye 
Stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, that all your things be done with love or charity. Now, in these few verses, Paul is reminding the Corinthian church of the responsibility of all of us giving to the work of the Lord. He said to the Corinthians on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, let every one of you, that includes all of us, lay by him in store, and the term store is a, you might say a hangover from the Old Testament concept of the storehouse, which was the temple. Lay by him at the storehouse, as God hath prospered him. This refers to proportionate giving. We're told in the Old Testament, the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is a proportionate amount of what we receive. And it's always been understood to mean one-tenth. Now in the Old Testament, there were many tithes given, but in Malachi 3 verse 10, he said, you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And they said, how have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Now Paul is repeating this concept Though in the context, he is also including the offering for the saints at Jerusalem. Everywhere he has gone, he has taken an offering for the saints at Jerusalem. You remember that Jerusalem was the hub of the original Christian faith. And then the gospel spread out as Jesus told them to do. You read the book of Acts, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem in all Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that happened, the unfolding of that commission took place in Acts. And now Paul is in the uttermost parts of the world, the then known world. At that time, Paul and the people in that area knew nothing about North America or South America. Their known world was the continent and the European continent. And before Paul's death, the gospel had been spread up into the Balkan countries and probably even to England and down into India and into Africa and so on. And of course in Egypt. Well, now Paul is reminding the believers at Corinth on the first day of the week when you meet together, and the inference is they're going to meet together on the Lord's Day, Sunday. First day of the week is Sunday. All through the 2,000 years of Christian gospel, Sunday has been a very important day. The reason is because Jesus arose on Sunday morning. The Jews used to keep Saturday. The Sabbath day was actually Saturday. They did that in honor of the fact that God created all things in six days, and on the seventh he rested, and the Sabbath day was hallowed. In the New Testament, in the early time, they began to still meet on Sabbath, but they also began to meet on the first day of the week in honor of the resurrection of Christ. The first worship service in the Christian faith was held on Sunday night. It was the night that Christ arose from the dead and he appeared to them in the upper room. Now Paul is saying to the Corinthians, when you meet to worship, Every one of you lay by him and store as God hath prospered. So that, that inference is still true to all of us. We must lay by him in store as the Lord has prospered us. 
Now, proportionate giving is so very important. If a person makes $100, 10 of that belongs to God. If a person makes $1,000, 100 of that belongs to God. Which gives the most? They give the same. That's the genius of Christian giving. Nobody can say, I gave more than somebody else if you're a tither. If you make a dime, a penny of that belongs to God. We need to teach our children that. I believe we ought to teach our children to fill out envelopes from the nursery through the old age departments. All of us. Remember that we're individually accountable. When each child and each adult and each husband, each wife, fills out his own envelope and places the offering in that, he is recognizing our accountability before God. Some people just write a check for the whole family. Well, that's very nice. But part of the giving purpose is to teach each of us individual accountability. Everybody is accountable, beginning as a little child. And so I pray that in our nursery department we do that, in the preschool, in the primary, in the junior, in the youth, and the adults, that everyone is encouraged to fill out his own envelope and place in that envelope his tithe for that week. Now, we go a little bit farther, and he says, I would like to come and be with you, but I'm going to stay at Ephesus until after Pentecost. This reminds us that Paul had a definite plan in his work. He didn't just live by feelings. Sometimes we live by feelings. If we feel like doing something, we'll do it. If we don't feel like doing it, we'll not do it. If we feel like going to church, we'll go. If we don't feel like going, we won't go. If we feel like tithing, we'll tithe. If we don't feel like, we won't. If we feel like going soul winning, we'll go. If we don't feel like it, we won't go. That's living by feelings. Paul didn't do that. He had a schedule of work, and he went by schedule. This is very, very important. He said, I would like to be with you, but I believe I must tarry here in Ephesus until after Pentecost. We don't know all the reason, but he gave a partial reason in the next verse. He said, there is an open door for me, and there are many adversaries. That verse is so important. There's an open door of opportunity. And he said, I'm going through it. I would like to come to be with you at Corinth, but I can't. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me here at Ephesus, and there are many adversaries. Now, he didn't say, but there are many adversaries. He said, and. Those of us who are in the work of the Lord, whether you're a Sunday school teacher or a godly Christian father or mother or a young man or young woman, Remember this, when you give your life to Jesus and you offer your life to him in service, there are going to be some adversaries. There'll be some blockages along the way. Life is sort of like a football game. You get the football and the object is to go down and uh, get across the goal line. But you go a yard or two and somebody tackles you. Now, some people just give up and quit. Say, that's the way it is, I'll just quit. Uh, Warren Osborne's here tonight. He used to play football at Bowling Green High. And I remember those days. We had a, lot, a number of young men that played football. 
And they don't give up. They just keep on going. They get knocked down, but they get up and go again. That's the way of the Christian life. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to be dislodged. You're going to be injured on the play. You can quit, or you can get well and get back in it. Paul said, there's an open and effectual door for me. There's much work to do here in Ephesus, and God has opened the door. I cannot leave yet. And there are many adversaries. There's a lot of people that are against the gospel. We live in an age like that, too. There are people everywhere that are against the gospel. They're opposed to the gospel. And uh, you try witnessing, you'll find out some people will be receptive and some will not. You remember what Jesus told us to do in those cases? He said, you go to a house, and if they won't receive you, you shake the dust from your feet and go somewhere else. He didn't say, get discouraged and quit. He said, you just keep going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Never quit. Never quit. In 1 Corinthians 15, he closed that wonderful resurrection chapter by saying, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Nothing you do is in vain in the name of the Lord. Moms and dads who rear their children in the nurture of the Lord, remember, that's not in vain. God will honor it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from that. What does that mean? That doesn't mean he's never going to ever go astray. It doesn't mean he's never going to quit. It means that what you've given him is there. He has to deal with it. It will always be there. He doesn't have to mind it. He doesn't have to obey it, but it's still there. That's where the conflict comes in a lot of people's lives. They were trained right, and they threw that training away. They knew right, and they disobeyed. But that training is still there. The Word of God have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. That doesn't mean you won't sin against God. It says the Word of God is there to help you not sin against God. So Paul said there are some adversaries along the way. Then he added, and I want to close with this in verse 13, Watch ye... Stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, that all your things be done with love, with charity. The greatest love we can give to the world is to tell them about Jesus. Those missionary doctors in Yemen that were killed, they were there to tell people about Jesus. Have the missionaries in Yemen quit? No, they're back at it. Edna Hughes was a member of our church during her college years. She married Al Lindholm. They went as missionaries to Yemen. Edna was home here in Bowling Green, and Al was still over there when the morning came and that gunman came in and shot several people in the hospital. Al was on his way. He had car trouble, an accident, a wreck, or he'd have been there himself, maybe he'd gotten shot. We don't understand the working of the Lord. But when he got near the hospital, he heard the gunshots. Al was a worker at that hospital. What do they do? They just quit? 
So I'm just going to quit. It's too dangerous. I'm not going to go anywhere further. No, no. They just keep on going. How, why do they do that? In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Remember that. And so Paul says, Corinthians, watch. Watch and pray and quit you like men and stand firm. Be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's the message to our hearts today. Some of you have a right to be discouraged because many of the things you had prayed for haven't happened. You've tried to rear up your children in the way of the Lord and some have gone astray. Remember what you gave them is there. The conflict is in their own mind. You did what God said to do. Just trust it with the Lord. That's what we must do. That's where faith comes in. Faith, have faith in God. Have faith in God, not faith in ourselves. Not faith in methods. Not faith in men. The arm of flesh will fail you, but have faith in God. And God will never fail. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God that is so precious and powerful and quick and sharp. And we pray that as we close the service, the Holy Spirit will move in our hearts and grant us the faith to believe you and to keep on keeping on and never quit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. What's the name of our song? 153, I Surrender. I Surrender All. Page 153. As we sing, you do what God tells, tells you to do. It may be you can settle whatever it is in your heart right where you stand. Some may need to come and kneel at the altar or make a request. You do what God says while we sing, will you come?